Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. Thank you very much, Zile. It's seven and a half minutes past 12, right here on Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Welcome to the show. We welcome your SMSs on 34701 on anything that's on your mind right now. But also we welcome your tweets at SAFM Midday Live or at Gualabi News. You can send us an email. We are at middaylive at sabc.co.za or gualabi at sabc.co.za. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, former president uh, and the first uh, uh, Democratic South Africa President Nelson Mandela is 95 on Thursday. So the SABC, Telcom and uh, the Nelson Mandela Center of Memory invite you to record a birthday message for Madiba. You can call 0800-333-803 to leave your message in less than a minute. Standard rates apply. That number again is 800 303 The SABC will broadcast some of the messages. And of course, uh, still to come right here on the show, the Department of uh, Basic Education will be opening a school each week until November as their program to eradicate mad schools seems to be gaining momentum. We'll be looking at that particular story coming through courtesy of uh, our senior education reporter, Angela Bolowan. And also, as you heard, the bail application of nine policemen accused of killing taxi driver Mido Masia has been postponed yet again. Edwin Sidi will be telling us more about uh, that uh, particular story. Service delivery has been affected in the Tlokwe municipality in the northwest as a political bickering over who should be the mayor is continuing. All council services have been suspended pending the outcome of the South Gauteng High Court next week. The court is to rule on whether the DA mayoral candidate Annette Combrink should be sworn in as the mayor or Mapetle Mapetle, who was ousted in a vote of no confidence in a council meeting in which his ANC councillors voted for the motion, should retain his position. The Speaker of the Council and Mapetle Mapetle are challenging the legality of the council meeting that passed the vote of no confidence in him. Meanwhile, there are reports that the Northwest Premier Tandi Modise may be the next to resign or be recalled. Uh, so after uh, Limpopo's uh, Premier Kassel Matalem yesterday. Let's uh, speak now to our reporter in the Northwest, Sentling Lehihi. Uh, Sentling, just uh, talk us through what is happening right now. We understand that uh, all council activities have been suspended in the Tlokwe municipality. Yes, it is true that council activities have been suspended uh, due to the anticipated uh, court outcomes uh, from the North Houghton High Court uh, Week. However, uh, according to Dakota, who is the chief work of local municipality, uh, the basic service deliveries that are uh, provided by the municipality are still being met by what he calls the incumbent uh, uh, mayor, Mr. Mapetle Mapetle. So, Mr. Mapetle Mapetle is, as things stand, uh, the mayor of uh, Tlogwe. Absolutely. He is recognized by Kota and other councillors in there as the incumbent uh, uh, mayor there. But uh, he was hit with a, a vote of no confidence. Now, the, the question is, how, how so? How is he still occupying that seat? As you understand, there's a split in power and a tussle over 
who is actually authorized to sit within that seat. As we understand that uh, the, the 14 uh, councillors who broke away uh, in support of the DA uh, uh, candidate uh, stating that Mapete had too many allegations of corruption and mismanagement, which need to be addressed by uh, the ruling party, the ANC. However, on his side, uh, he's got uh, uh, members of the council, including Dakota, the chief whip, and the speaker of uh, 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 the municipality, who are vouching in support of him and saying that he is fully capable of signing the municipality with no hiccups. And uh, the suspension of uh, the council services, how does, how, or at least how has that impacted on uh, service delivery in, in that particular municipality? As we speak to experts in, in the field, they will explain to you that uh, it is anticipated that there should be uh, 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 disruptions in the delivery of uh, some services, especially with regards to new, de- new decisions that need to be taken forth uh, in terms of changes. But currently, uh, in my talks with Dakota, the chief whip of uh, Toko municipality, he has ascertained to me that uh, the functions of the municipality are still uh, functioning very well. Uh, service delivery is still being met, electricity is provided, water is provided, a refuse is also being collected. It is just a matter of what other new decisions that need to be taken will be taken. All right, let's let's move on also to the uh, province now. There are reports or rumblings that uh, the Northwest Premier Tandi Modisa may be uh, the next one online to be chopped by the ANC or at least be recalled or at least asked to resign. What are you hearing around that particular issue? The many rumors going around, especially in light of what is happening in Popo uh, in the recent past, uh, with the leaving of... Uh, current or the former premier of Limpopo, people are assuming that the same fate will set upon Tanji Mudise, as we all understand that she lost her favor in Mangawung, uh, and she was not also included in uh, the, the, the ANC National uh, Provincial Executive as well. Uh, it is anticipated that maybe she'll also be set uh, to resign from her seat as premier. We thank you very much, Sintling Lehihi, our reporter in the Northwest. Let's stay with this story, but uh, speak now to uh, Stephen Friedman, who is the director of uh, the Center for the Study of Democracy at Rhodes University and the University of uh, Johannesburg. Uh, good afternoon to you, Professor Friedman. Hi, good afternoon. No, no dull moment in, in uh, the politics of uh, Northwest. I don't even know where to start. Maybe let's start with the last bit that, <laughs> <laughs> that we tackled with our reporter there, that of uh, Tandi Modise. Really, her political future not looking too bright. Is, is that the sense that you're getting? Yeah, I think that's the, the message which has come, come, coming across. I mean, you know, up until a few days ago, we had a delicate balance in the ANC where People who'd lost at Mangaung uh, were not uh, being uh, elected or appointed onto ANC structures, but they were staying in their government posts. Then, of course, uh, Tokyo Sekwale lost his job and Kafu Matare lost his job. And that's obviously created speculation that uh, Tandi Modise may be next in the firing line because, of course, she was... Uh, uh, a, a prominent member of the group that uh, posed the winning slate for Mangaong. So, yeah, it does look uh, like she's under a lot of pressure within the ANC at the moment. 
But why this move by the ANC, the cabinet reshuffle, by the, the, the Matale asked to resign, but also we're talking about Tandi Odisa now who could face this similar fate. Is it because the ANC is realizing that they're entering the last stretch before the elections and really they need to assert their authority? Or has it got anything to do with service delivery? No, I can't see that it really has to do with, with, with how well people are serving the public. You see, how do we know whether people are adequately serving the public or not. Uh, I mean, the only judges of that are the public themselves. So if you have a situation in which the public uh, starts to complain and to say, look, this person is not looking after us, this person is not uh, serving us in the way in which they should, uh, then you get a sense that there's a problem. But uh, if the public are not doing that, then, uh, you know, you can't really say uh, that there's a problem about public service. And I'm not aware of any pressure on Pandina Disa. Uh, I'm not aware of any public lobby which says that she shouldn't be there. Uh, so, you know, you have to come to the conclusion that this is about internal ANC politics. Let's take it uh, uh, one notch down to the local municipality there, Tlokwe local municipality. There are serious problems there. Mapetle Mapetle is refusing to, to move uh, despite being uh, really hit with a, a vote of no confidence. The, the matter is in court right now. But uh, as you heard from our reporter, it, it seems like you know the municipality is continuing as, as normal. Now, my issue is the political decisions that have been taken or are being taken now by Mapetle Mapetle whilst there is this uh, court challenge. Those may have to be overturned if things don't go his way. Well, that is a problem. You see, where this kind of thing affects public service is where longer-term decisions are taken. I mean, obviously it doesn't affect the question uh, of, of whether the streetlights are going to go on tomorrow morning uh, or, you know, whether the garbage is going to be collected tomorrow morning. Uh, but it does affect longer-term decisions. Uh, and that means it could be a problem in two ways. The first way is that if the current mayor, the DA mayor, starts to take decisions which are then going to be overturned later, that's a problem for the municipality. Uh, and, and secondly, uh, you know, if you have a situation uh, in which, uh, you know, the uh, Mr. Matekla uh, starts claiming that he can take decisions uh, and uh, starts to try to implement those decisions, uh, you could have a problem there. So, you know, it's not something that is immediately going to affect things. And really the, the point is that it has to be cleared up one way or another very soon. Otherwise, you have a situation in which uh, the council really can't turn ahead and can't uh, uh, actually uh, deal with the issues in front of it. Professor Stephen Friedman, thank you very much. He's the director of the Center for the Study of Democracy at Rhodes University and at the University of Johannesburg. Let's go straight to Tlaogwe now and speak to the spokesperson for the local municipality there, uh, Willie Mapose. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Mapose. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine. Help us understand here. We're getting mixed reports, uh, reports on the ground from uh, our reporters there in the northwest are suggesting that uh, uh, council activities have been suspended, but uh, you have a a different uh, view. Yeah, no, look, I've I've been listening to your news right now, and I would like to put the record straight. There are no services that have been suspended. All services of the municipality 
are running as usual, as normal. But is the council sitting? Well, council, the speaker is in the office, the, the, the mayor is in the office. The last meeting that was supposed to have been held was last week on Friday. But unfortunately, that meeting did not proceed because the DA said that they would not attend because the matters that were supposed to be discussed, uh, they, 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 they viewed them as being subjudicate. Mm. So, so, but whatever is happening at that level doesn't affect the delivery of services. That's what, that's what I'm trying to clarify here. But, but do you have councillors coming to uh, the council meetings? Yeah, MMCs are attending, uh, the MMCs are attending their offices. They are working in their offices. Managers are in their offices. Officials on the ground are at their working post. You can go everywhere. Water is being delivered, electricity, uh, infrastructure works are going on as normal. It is wrong to say that uh, services have been suspended. I do not know where do you get the information from. But what I'm trying to understand is that uh, the, the, the council, the council itself, uh, is waiting for a, a court uh, outcome, a decision on yeah, the that, on, no, on look, first, look, that's look. next week, right? Yeah. So, so there's no council right now. That's another issue. Meet, can, meetings of councils are, are, are is, is quite another issue. The delivery of services is another issue. But who is steering the ship right now in the Tloko municipality? That's what I'm trying to establish because okay. as far as we, we know, uh, Mapetle Mapetle is no longer the mayor of uh, the Tloko local municipality. No, 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 no. Councillor Mapetle Mapetle is the mayor of the of Tlokwe city council. The DA and some councillors of, of the ANC went to a council meeting that was illegitimate. Mm. So the status of that meeting is in question. So Mr. Uh, Councillor Mapetle Mapetle has not been removed from, 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 from office. He's still the mayor of Tokyo City Council. And that issue, the parties concerned, the DA and the ANC are resolving those matters at the court level. Okay. So, but you are also suggesting that uh, the members of the mayoral council uh, or committee are the ones who are running the municipality right now. Correct. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for clarifying that. Uh, Willie Maposet, spokesperson for Tlogwe City Council, at exactly 22 minutes past 12. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Our top story this hour, Johan Kotze and his uh, three co-accused will be sentenced tomorrow morning at half past 11 in the Gauteng North uh, High Court. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,286.94 an ounce, platinum at $1,415 an ounce, the rand is trading at 9 rand 90 cents against the US dollar, at 14 rand 93 to the pound, and at 12 rand 95 cents to the euro. Do you want to learn how to pitch your business idea effectively? Do you want to take your existing business to the next level? Engine Pitch and Polish in association with SAFM is setting the stage for entrepreneurs. If you believe in your business idea and would like some guidance, then we want you to attend our inspiring workshop where you will receive expert training and tips. This free workshop is coming to a town near you. For more info, SMS P-I-T-C-H, your name and city, to 45982. Register online at pitchandpolish.com or phone 011-566-2000. SMS costs 150. T's and C's apply.
Bye. This Thursday on Top Billing, it's Madiba Day. And we celebrate all that he means to us with Trenton and the Free Radicals. A flash mob to honor the Madiba dance. And we live his example by giving 67 minutes. Hi, I'm Raymond Wu. Catch me as I show Simba the big version of a small town. And we share Thana McQuenna's success, starring with Brad Pitt in the zombie blockbuster World War Z. That's Top Billing, Thursday night at 8.30. Stay with SABC3. I would like to encourage everyone to do something worthy for someone else on Mandela D. We have all equally been awed by his dedication to others. He inspires people across the world and across the generations. You're an example to us all of perseverance, forgiveness, strength, wisdom and grace. Mandela Day reminds us that we all have a little bit of Mandela in ourselves. I will also be giving my 67 minutes. I would like to express my admiration about the great men Mr. Mandela. Please, please, please. On the 18th of July, let's stand together. Give 67 minutes of your time to do what you can. Take action. Inspire change. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. 34 minutes past 12. And uh, don't forget that uh, on the Mandela Day, uh, being uh, this coming Thursday, the 18th of uh, July, you can give 67 minutes of your time uh, really to any cause to inspire change. And the SABC Telcom and uh, Nelson Mandela Center of Memory invite you to record a birthday message for Madiba. Call 0800-333-803 to leave your message in less than a minute. Standard rates apply. The SABC will broadcast some of the messages. Deputy Police Commissioner in the Northwest, General William Bembe, is giving his testimony at the Marikana Commission of Inquiry currently underway in Centurion. Bembe has testified that police had a proper plan during the labor unrest at Lonmin Platinum Mine last year. Meanwhile, lawyers representing the miners have provisionally withdrawn from the commission due to financial constraints. A ruling by the North Gauteng High Court on the urgent application of funding will determine whether they come back to the commission or not. And that ruling is expected on Thursday. Let's talk now to the spokesperson for the Marikana Commission of Inquiry, Tsepo Mathango. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon to Tola and good afternoon to all your listeners. And uh, the commission is continuing as planned. That is correct. Notice that. We have taken notice of um, the provisional withdrawal of the lawyers representing the injured and arrested minors. And from the commission point of view, we we are saying that is. Regrettable. However, we understand the situation to an extent that uh, we are awaiting anxiously the outcome of the application in court. All right, but how is this possible? How is it happening that uh, the, the, the presentations are made by one side and uh, the lawyers representing the other side are not there? Is it not going to be cumbersome then later on because you may have to, to start again or recap because they can come in and say, but we are not there? Let's perhaps explain how the commission functions. Please do. You have a you, you have a judge of a high of, of a high court, Yenfala, mm. um, who's an experienced legal person in his own right. 
he is assisted by two commissioners who equally bring a lot of expertise uh, in social service matters of this nature. You then have, as an extension to that, a team of seven evidence leaders um, who are assisting the commission. If anything, their role is to protect or prosecute all witnesses that come before the commission, before the commission to ensure that the, com- the commission is indeed uh, empowered uh, to then get to the bottom of what happened in, in the Marikana's consensus. So, so, so the, the, there is no exposure, if anything, um, the interests of all parties are taken care of independently uh, to the evidence leaders. So th- there's no the argument about um, one form of representation from one group and not represented all on the other, um, then it then becomes misplaced in terms of how the commission is actually. So, so the commission can, you know, proceed until it concludes without the the, the, the lawyers representing these mine workers uh, being present. Is that what you're suggesting then? Well, regrettably, from our position. Um, that is the view that we hold from the commission point of view. So you're going to... It does not mean... Uh, it does not necessarily mean that uh, there will be an, an unfairness on any party. Uh, though we understand quite correctly that uh, every South African does have a right uh, for legal representation on matters of this nature. But the other sides will have legal representation. Doesn't this then prejudice the other side, the, the mine workers, that they are not represented? They might even be called in to testify and say things that they don't even have to say because they have no legal representation. In this instance, in terms of the structure of the commission, they have evidence leaders whose responsibility would be to ensure that um, uh, they are legally represented in this instance. Evi- in evidence, leaders, evidence leaders, evidence uh, leaders, Mr. Matlang, as I understand it, are different from from the lawyers. Uh, if I have my lawyer, my lawyer will advise me to say this and that, and not to say that because I might implicate myself in a certain way, and so on and so. I need my lawyer to be there. That's what I'm asking. Then, even these mine workers do need their lawyers to be there. So, why is it difficult, therefore, for the commission to 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 wait for the court ruling to happen on Thursday before they proceed? I mean, it's only been, it will be about three days, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and the ruling is on Thursday. Yeah, we, 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 have, to, we have to continue. I'm sure one can understand that. Uh, we have to continue. Uh, you'll also remember that one of the um, uh, requirements uh, at the founding papers of um, the lawyers representing the independent miners was that they wanted to interdict the commission from, resu- from resuming uh, as of yesterday until the funding issue has been resolved. Now, through arguments in court last week already, they themselves uh, um, understood uh, why the commission is actually as, as to continue doing this work. And of course, they, they supported that to say um, we, we understand our situation to an extent that we are saying the commission must actually continue its work. So we are continuing with their blessings, of course, if I may put it mildly in, in, in that respect. Right. But of course, we must also be very careful to create a situation where um, 
there is um, adversary between the commission as well as Ilwas representing the 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 arrest. All right. Our interest is to get to the bottom of what happened in Marigani. And, and, and of and course, if 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 their lawyers are in the process, that actually should be welcomed by all participants. We thank you very much, Etsepo Matlango. He is the spokesperson for the Marikana Commission of Inquiry. Just after 12.30, once again, good afternoon, Utsilisako. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much, Nancy. We'll see you between uh, 1 and 2. Let's talk now to our Edwin City, the bail application of nine policemen accused of killing taxi driver Mido Masia has been postponed yet again. The last time the case was postponed was to allow the defense more time to prepare for a bail application. Masia's death sparked national outrage and cast the spotlight on police brutality. A video showing Masia being tied to the back of a police van and being dragged through the streets of Davidson east of Johannesburg went viral. He later died in a police cell. Edwin, good afternoon to you. What uh, has since happened uh, this, uh, since this morning? Well, Bongi, what we expected is that uh, the bail application of the nine accused was due to start. You would recall that uh, this is the third bail application. They lost it here at the same court, at the Benoni Magistrates Court, and their second application was taken to the uh, Pretoria, uh, Mag- I mean, rather, uh, High Court, at the North Houghton High Court, where they also, I mean, lost it there. So today it was another attempt of them to be released on bail. However, the proceedings had to be delayed once again due to the fact that the accused persons have, uh, their lawyers have to submit, uh, uh, I mean, addresses, rather alternative addresses, so that, uh, you know, that could be argued as to whether these addresses are, are, are reliable or not. You would recall that, uh, you know, when they were denied bail here at the Benoni Magistrates Court, it, it, they were denied bail on the ground that they, I mean, of public outrage at the Davidon. You will recall that they shortly after Masia was attacked allegedly by police, there, then residents there were very angry and they wanted to attack those police officers. And uh, this matter has been postponed till when? Well, the matter has been rolled over for two weeks and then they will come back to court on the 30th of, uh, of this month. In the meantime, they've been kept in custody until their next court appearance. I have to say that they're both of the family members of the victims, I mean of the victim and of the accused were present in court and, uh, you know, uh, um, they were cocked. Court 4 was packed to capacity with also members of the public who just came to follow the proceedings. So to answer your question directly, we are back in court on the 30th of uh, this month when that formal bail application will be made. And it is hoped that by then, then those uh, addresses would have been confirmed by by the state. Has the state always been ready for this matter to proceed now that uh, we know that the last time this matter was postponed it was allowed for the defense to get more time really to prepare for bail application? Yes, Bongi, I have to say that, uh, I have to say that uh, the state has been saying that it's ready, but uh, when the matter was postponed last time, as you correctly said, uh, they were given that opportunity to go and, uh, you know, and prepare themselves. However, as I said initially, now, uh, they are saying that, you know, there was a war of words. I have to mention that there was a, a war of words between the state and the defense, whereby, uh, you know, the state is, is saying that, uh, you know, we have been accused several times of uh, breaking this matter but however now it appears that uh, the defense lawyers are them who want to delay this case. 
Thank you very much to our reporter Edwin Nsidi at 24 minutes to 1 right here on Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Seven people have been killed in Cairo in overnight clashes between security forces and supporters of Egypt's ousted President Mohamed Morsi. Police used tear gas to drive back protesters, some hurling rocks who had blocked a main road in the capital. The BBC's Susanna Medonza reports. Smoke and tear gas fill the air in Cairo's streets as the injured are led away. Supporters of ousted President Mohamed Mursi clashed with police here after a week of relative calm in Egypt. The protesters blamed the security forces for the violence. It is the duty of the armed forces and the police to protect the protesters. But it's a crime when the armed forces join the police and thugs to throw tear gas at protesters and shoot at us. Earlier, the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State on a visit to Egypt did the rounds of the country's military-backed government. Following his talks with Interim President Adli Mansour and caretaker Prime Minister Hazem el-Bablawi, he called for the release of the former president and an end to the violence. If representatives of some of the largest parties in Egypt are detained or excluded, how are dialogue and participation possible? The government itself has said it wants inclusion of all political streams. We've called on the military to avoid any politically motivated arrests. And we have also called upon those who differ with the government to adhere to their absolute obligation to participate peacefully. A peaceful solution may be a long way off, though, as Muslim Brotherhood supporters continue to march through the streets in anger at the former president's removal. New elections will come, according to the interim government, but not until early next year. And uh, that's uh, the BBC's Susanna Mendonca in Egypt at uh, 22 minutes to one right here on Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Just a couple of uh, SMSs and tweets coming through. Uh, this one coming from uh, Sia Bong and Bogane at Sia uh, underscore 88. Uh, Tandimo Dise will be Mapetle Mapetle by her MPs, pushed by Supra Mahumapilo. And uh, this one from Dautona says that this will clearly be purging. Uh, that's uh, if uh, Northwest Premier Tandi Modise uh, were to be chopped. And uh, SMS is, uh, this one says, that, well, today, okay, I think Mr. Motale will join EFF as urgent land reform and development will be uh, refigured to convert okay I can't make sense of this Rubson, uh, Dima thank you very much but anyway for this uh, SMS let's uh, stay in Europe a day long general strike has begun in Greece called by trade unions in protest against government plans to cut thousands of public sector jobs the government needs to pass a bill this week in order to start receiving 6.8 billion euros of fresh bailout loans to keep the country afloat. Hospitals and public transport are expected to be affected by the strike. The BBC's Morris, Chris Morris reports. The demonstrations have been building for several days. These are municipal police officers who fear that they will lose their jobs. Austerity measures agreed with the EU and the IMF have already cut salaries and pensions in the public sector. But now thousands of teachers and local government employees are facing the threat of imminent redundancy. On Friday we were working and on Saturday we received the message saying we were fired. We have families, there is unemployment in our families, children who are students. What is our future? At my age, what job is there for me to do? 
So they've been taking to the streets in protest, and now a call for a general strike. Hospitals and transport links will be hit. There will be no flights in or out of the country for several hours. Many jobs in the public sector have been part of a complex system of political patronage for years. But the Greek government says it now has no choice but to enforce further painful adjustment in a country where unemployment is at record levels and the economy has shrunk dramatically since the bailout program began. And uh, that's uh, the BBC's Chris Morris in Athens, in Greece. Uh, don't forget the SABC Telcom and Nelson Mandela Center of Memory invite you to record a birthday message for Madiba. You can call 0800 803 to leave your message in less than a minute. Standard rates apply. The SABC will then broadcast some of uh, those messages. Uh, remember uh, Nelson Mandela. Uh, the former president of the Republic of South Africa is turning 95 this Thursday on uh, the 18th of July. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. We'll be going straight to Clinton Smith of Suspin Securities to give us the, the lunchtime market updates. But also let me tell you that the Department of Basic Education will be opening a school each week until November as they are programmed to eradicate mad schools. Uh, it seems to be ga- gaining momentum, that program. Let's go now to Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Suspin Securities. Good afternoon to you, Clinton. How are the markets looking today? Afternoon. Uh, well, the market's sitting fairly flat at the moment with, uh, with no major moves ahead of uh, Ben Bernanke's report to Congress uh, tomorrow, which should give us some indication on, on when the Fed will start uh, tapering their, their stimulus program. Uh, at the moment, we've got the gold board down 1.5%, uh, resources up 0.4%, industrials down 0.7%, and financials are down 0.9%. Uh, overall, the market's down 152 points at the moment, or 0.4% lower, at uh, 40,585. Mm, I see the government needs to pass a bill this week in Greece in order to start receiving 6.8 billion euros. That's it, far away. But here at home, any big movers and shakers on the market so far? Uh, big movers today. We've got um, uh, Distel's up 2.5% today. They're trading 126.33. Uh, Breit's up 2% at 42.49. Uh, we've got Mr. Price up 1.3% at 132 rand. And Fashini is up 1.3% at 101 Uh Trading lower today, uh, Aspen is down 3.1%, 226.35. Uh, Anglo Gold is down 3% at 121.63. Uh, Massmart down 2.3% at 172 Rand. And uh, lastly, Woolworths is down 2%, uh, trading 65 Rand 20. And uh, your latest market indicators, Clinton? Uh, gold price is currently $1,286 an ounce, so we've got platinum at $1,419. Uh, Brent crude is now $108.46 a barrel. Uh, the yield on R157 is at 5.97%. And uh, finally on the rand, we're trading $9.81 to the dollar, $12.87 to the euro, and $14.82 to the pound. And that's it from me. Thank you very much from uh, Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Suspin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, I need a non-automated, hand-operated ink dispenser for the objective of on-paper documentation. A pen, sir? Yes. 
That's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud, and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. What do you give a man who forever changed South Africa and the world? Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. Let there be work, bread, water, and salt for all. Let us know that for each, the body, the mind, and the soul have been freed to fulfill themselves. On July 18th, SAFM heads to the rural outskirts of Limpopo. We're completing the construction of two daycare centers in remote villages for hundreds of underprivileged children. And they're awaiting your donations, clothes, books, shoes, stationery, educational material and toys can be delivered to the SABC studios in Johannesburg and Limpopo until July 16th. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is in your hands to create a better world for all who live in it. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Indeed, it is in our hands now. Johan Kotze and his uh, three co-accused will be sentenced tomorrow morning at uh, half past 11 in the Gauteng North uh, High Court. Kotze and his co-accused, Andrew Sitole, Franz Mpaka and uh, Peter Muslane, were found guilty of gang raping in a bonnet, kidnapping and assaulting uh, with uh, the intent to do grievous bodily harm. Kotze was found guilty of uh, murdering his ex-wife, Ina Bonnet's son, and of uh, orchestrating her gang rape. Uh, our reporter is Lila Magnus. After the court adjourned earlier today, Kotze told the media he wants an opportunity to say a few things after sentencing. He says it will be objective and that he doesn't want sensation. He asked that the media make arrangements that he can talk to them after he is sentenced. Kotze would not be drawn on his emotions during his guilty verdict or what he expects will happen tomorrow. Meanwhile, Andre Sitole's sister, Nelly, still believes her brother is innocent and blames Kotze for the predicament he is in. I'm very cross with Kotze because they have made people to do things that they are not want to do and they are, now they are in trouble and he cannot take them out. Tomorrow I hope that Andrew must come out tomorrow. I hope because they are innocent. He's innocent. He was not his intention. Kotze's advocate, Piet Greiling, told the court that Kotze has been punished already as he has lost everything. He told the court it should take into account the extreme emotions of rejection Kotze experienced, the financial strain he was under, his narcissistic personality disorder and his impulsive characteristic. Greiling told the court Kotze showed remorse and asked that the sentences run concurrently and he be sentenced to 15 years in total. Andri Sitole's advocate Jan van Rooyen argued that Sitole is morally less blameworthy for the murder of Conrad Burnett and that he therefore should not get a life sentence. He argued that Sitole did not have the intention to kill Conrad Burnett or to rape Inna Burnett. Van Rooyen argued that there was no motive for the deeds Sitole has been convicted of. Pitam Mutlana and Franz Mpaka's advocate, François van As, argued that his clients played the smallest role during the attack and did not take part in the planning or had prior knowledge of the plan. 
He argued it would be shockingly inappropriate to sentence them to life in prison. He told the court their plea of not guilty should not be seen by the court as them not having remorse. State advocate Rieta Mankis handed in a victim impact report compiled about Bonnet and her daughter Angelique. The report states that they will need long-term therapy and that they feel isolated from their community. Bonnet still get nightmares and backflashes and are suffering with interpersonal and emotional problems. The state asked for life sentences for all the accused. The men will be sentenced tomorrow at 11.30 in the North Gauteng High Court in Pretoria. Lila Magnus for us on that story. There seems to be disagreement about the activity and growth expectations in the South African economy. This comes after the manufacturing figures released last week showed a 2.2% growth while mining declined by 0.7%. Recent PMI figures, which came in above 50 index points, suggest an expansion in the sector. Despite all this data, economists cannot agree about growth forecast, with some more bearish uh, than others. Uh, meanwhile, as the Reserve Bank's MPC meeting starts today, there is no expectation of tightening or easing of monetary policy in spite of uh, the somewhat stable rand. Democrats only show this report for us. This is one subject on which it is difficult to get economists to agree. South Africa's growth forecast seems to be as volatile as the rand. Despite showing signs of improvement, some economists prefer to remain pessimistic, while others are more on the optimistic side. No doubt conditions in key sectors of the economy, such as manufacturing and mining, remain tough, but Chief Economist at Investment Solutions, Chris Hart, says there are signs that things are improving, albeit on a slower pace. When one looks at the economy, I think there's quite a lot of strengths. Um, infrastructure is looking better in terms of the ability of the economy to function, for example. Uh, the financial services sector is a very strong sector and rates very highly in the world. The ailing rent has helped manufacturers to increase their internal market share, but is this sustainable? Peter Atadman-Talto is an economist at Numura International. Much of the good news in the short run perhaps um, will fall away as we move uh, into the second half of the year. But analysts say while conditions in manufacturing have marginally improved, prospects remain challenging in an environment of muted demand and relatively high input costs. This combined with weakened consumer and commodity demand, as well as the high rate of unemployment, it is likely to continue to dampen South Africa's growth prospects for this year and in 2014. This view is in line with the International Monetary Fund's reverse growth forecast of 2% for South Africa. Mike Schusler is chief economist at economist.co.za. He says while his research does not suggest that the country is in a boom phase, it does show signs of a return to a steady but slow growth period. The fact of the matter is the economy is a lot more resilient than most people think. It's not going to be perfect, but the economy is a lot more resilient, at least in the second quarter of this year. Peter Montalto is an economist at Numura International. Well, we're marginally more optimistic than the IMF looking for growth of uh, 2.1% this year and 3% next year. But Yana Leroux, an economist at ETM Analytics, says the expected growth in the second quarter GDP will not be sustainable. Growth is now being calculated off a, a very low base. Um, however, even if we do see a rebound in growth in the second quarter, we don't believe that this could be sustained in the remainder of the year or into the third quarter. So have we reached a new normal as have been suggested? What we've, 
we're finding in South Africa is underperforming other emerging markets and also our African peers at the moment, um, and that, that is a concern. South Africa's woes are further compounded by a heavy reliance on Europe, which is struggling to emerge out of a recession. Schusler elaborates. Britain leads a recession. Germany is still positive. And although Southern Europe is still in, in, in the doldrums, in the main, the figures aren't as bad as they were in the fourth quarter. They're looking a lot better. This morning, Finance Minister Pravin Gordon said global markets' reactions to signals that the Fed may withdraw stimulus has created a toxic formula of uncertainty globally, which has an impact on the fiscus or the fiscal stability of the country. Added to this is South Africa's twin deficit problems and a threat of further labor unrest in the mining sector. All these issues may result in the country suffering another credit downgrade. Chris Hart again. Another strike in the, the, the mining industry uh, may well push the country into recession. It means that the budget deficit widens. The, the credit rating agencies are concerned on both, and that may well trigger another credit rating downgrade. Meanwhile, the Monetary Policy Committee starts a three-day meeting today. Most economists are expecting interest rates to be kept. Peter Montalto. I think overall they're still paralyzed, basically, on the one hand, with a uh, increasing level of concern around weak growth. On the other, increasing concerns about um, inflationary pressures um, that may be building. So for them, this is the right rate to hold going forward. So in South Africa's case, what are the key internal drivers of the economy? Montalto again. Well, it's hard to see where these internal drivers are going to come domestically because there's obviously a very low savings rate that makes um, private sector investment pretty difficult to see at very large, uh, high rates. For SABC News in Johannesburg, I'm Dima Kazolishoro. The Department of Basic Education will be opening a school each week until November as their program to eradicate mad schools seems to be gaining momentum. The program fell flat last year when the department failed to use its budget to reach the target of building 49 schools in the Eastern Cape. The department also says the 8 billion rand budget will be put to good use, especially next year when they build or fix 200 schools. Senior education reporter is Angela Boluan. The Department of Basic Education spoke about the Accelerated Schools Infrastructure Delivery Initiative in glowing terms before work began last year. The department had promised that schooling would never be the same again. The children of the Eastern Cape would finally get decent structures with all the bells and whistles. While it seemed rather ambitious, there was hope. The problem of mud and tree schools had been plaguing the system for so long that many people had given up on there ever been any change. This was until the program was launched last year. But by September, things fell apart. The Parliamentary Committee on Education and Recreation released a statement saying it was unhappy about lack of progress. The department had planned to get rid of 50 mud schools, electrify 164, supply water to 188, and deliver sanitation infrastructure to 354 by last year. None of this had happened. But basic education spokesperson Penyaza Lusufi says there were teething problems. At the beginning of the, when the project started, which is a shortage of material, skill, talent, in the province, uh, weather, as well as some strikes that we had. You remember we had a huge transport strike in the country. So we've gone over those things now. It's uh, full steam, the expertise, the talent, the skill, and all the issues that we are having. Uh, it's an indication that now we can move. I mean, if we can in a position to afford to open a school every week is a confirmation that uh, the system now is starting to run. 
Lusufi says not only is the department meeting last year's deadline this year, it has also already advertised tenders for more building next year. The department aims to build 200 schools around the country. The problem with the 49 schools is that they were in difficult terrain, making it much harder for the project to take off. Also hampering progress were bad weather and underperforming contractors, amongst other challenges. But now the hard part is over. The rest should be plain sailing, as Lusufi explains. No, we go on. I mean, we've advertised tenders for 200 schools, um, and we hope at the beginning of next year, those 200 will start to trickle in and start to open them as well. Uh, remember, it's not only the building of schools, it's the building of um, uh, sewer, the storage infrastructure, and, uh, that is includes toilets, includes electricity, includes water, it includes... Uh, all other things that makes a school to be a community activity. There were fears that some of the 8 billion rent allocated to this project would be lost to Treasury. NGO Equal Education says while they support the program, they are skeptical about whether deadlines will be met. Yelisa Duane says while the department insists that none of the money for the project itself has been lost, 1 billion rent had been lost to Treasury because of the delay. After two years, they have just managed to uh, built 22 schools and they have not even finished the 49 at this point. So as Equal Education we've been very concerned about the slow delivery and, and, and also the non-expenditure and we feel that there should be more accountability and, and, and also the pace of delivery should actually uh, pick up so far, 17 schools have been completed and opened in the Eastern Cape. This figure is expected to reach 49 by November. 107 of the schools have been electrified, 144 have been provided with sanitation, and 102 have been provided with water. That report by Angela Bolowan. Let me remind you also that the SABC Telcom and Nelson Mandela Center of Memory invite you to record a birthday message for Madiba. The number to dial is 0800-333-803 and leave your message in less than a minute. Standard rates apply. The SABC will then broadcast uh, some of your messages. Top stories this hour. The uh, mayorship saga continues in Tlaokwe municipality as the spokesperson for the council, William Mapose, insists that it's business as usual. I've been listening to your news right now. And I would like to put the record straight. There are no services that have been suspended. All services of the municipality are running as usual, as normal. And uh, the spokesperson for the Marakan Commission of Inquiry, Tsepo Matlangu, says the commission has to continue despite the fact that uh, the lawyers representing the minors have provisionally withdrawn from the commission. They have evidence leaders whose responsibility would be to ensure that the um, they are legally represented in this instance. Evidence leaders, uh, Mr. Matlang, as I understand it, are different from, from the lawyers. We have to continue. I'm sure one can understand that. Uh, we have to continue. There you have it, and uh, that does it for your Tuesday edition of Midday Live here on SFM 104 to 107. It's thanks to the team, Mandi Samkelu and Mabubuluka, technical producers today. Olebo Heng, Monana, and Easy Padayachi. Senior producer is Nomaliza Mandela. Executive producers are Busisiwe Chane and Aubrey Setiu. My name is Bogikwa. Let's do it again for your midday edition tomorrow between 12 and 1. Up next is Nancy Richards with Otherwise. Till then, bye-bye.